welcome to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And tonight we are going to do the topic of identity. <laughs> Not that we haven't done that a time or two or every podcast, but I wanted to specifically kind of talk about what what does it really mean and what does it not mean and is there some nuance there that we can cover that hopefully will create greater clarity for actually how this identity message begins to walk out because one of the issues that that can be faced when you're talking about identity in Christ acceptance love being loved by God um, being forgiven all those things those are all right and true and pure and the desire of God. However, you can make identity all about you. And in the end, that's a bad identity. The, the thing we have to remember, it's ta- we're talking about identity in Jesus. Therefore, we need to look at the person of Jesus and see what he's like, because then we can rightly frame and understand who we are and how we were actually made to live in a way that's both congruent with the nature of God and and full of life and life-giving and not through a legal lens and also not through a uh, get mine, don't care about you kind of lens because in the end that actually won't be as life-giving as maybe some might think it is on the front end. So here's the first thought is it's more about who is Jesus within me than it is about who am I in Christ. And what I mean is the source of our identity is the purpose is the person of Jesus. Therefore, knowing who he is and knowing what he's like, and then when you understand what the cross accomplished, what grace means, what what participating in the divine nature, being woven into the Godhead, what that actually means, then you're not trying to be like Jesus. You're just acting in the, in in line with who you actually are, um, b- because you've learned to let your thoughts and, and ideas begin with who is Jesus, who am I in light of Him, versus who am I in spite of Jesus or who am I in spite of someone else. Um, the 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 danger at times is people are all in it for them, and if it doesn't work for them, then they're not okay. But what we fail to remember is part of the nature of God is He is a God who sacrifices joyfully on behalf of others. So a part of our identity now is we too, because of Jesus and the cross and the grace of God, are able to sacrifice joyfully on behalf of others. That is way more powerful than just I'm going to get mine and I'm going to be famous and I'm going to be well known and everyone's going to like me and everyone's going to love me when you can actually live but when you know to the depths of your soul that you're accepted loved and cared for by God and from that place of strength you're able to serve and love others and uh, when when time arises, sacrifice on their behalf, not to prove something, not to gain merit points with God or people, but because it's the right thing to do and your heart is full and overflowing and therefore actually it doesn't feel as much like sacrifice as it may look to others on the outside. Okay, so what then would it be included in a healthy perspective of identity in Christ? I think what's included is the fruit of the Spirit, 
the gifts of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit. So I love Galatians 5 because it says, The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And then it says, Against such things there is no law. In other words, when we are living out of the overflow of the nature and character of God residing within us, therefore our thoughts are aligned with that, our emotions are aligned with that, and our actions are aligned with that, and there's joy, peace, and power to live that out uh, because of the Holy Spirit, there's no rule that someone can put on you to say, don't do this, because all of those things are others-focused, and they're for other people's benefit, and they are life-giving. You know, joy is life-giving. The scripture says in Nehemiah that actually the joy of the Lord is our strength. So to live from a place of strength is to live from a place of joy. And that would be what I would like to call good news. Um, Here's another aspect of your identity. Holiness. Unfortunately, there's been so much baggage around the word holiness that people kind of throw holiness out with grace and identity in Christ and the finished work of Jesus on the cross and but as well as his life and his resurrection um but holiness is not bad holiness is not scary holiness ultimately is number one relational wholeness and number two it is the otherness of God. It's what makes God other. When when he's not in it for himself, but he's in it for you, and yet he's fully alive in and of himself, so he doesn't need something from you, but he joyfully chooses to give you all things, and then that becomes the very foundation of your life and identity, and therefore you begin to live out of that for other people. That is what holiness is about. Holiness isn't a, the clinical be sanitized behavior that if we don't do certain behaviors, then God doesn't accept us. That's not holiness. Holiness is the nature, the relational nature of God that fully, wholly accepts you. And that may include correction. We have to understand that correction is not bad. Um, in my own journey, I so often, I would work so hard to not be corrected because I was so afraid of correction. And then one day the Holy Spirit reminded me, or he showed me, that what I was actually living out of was this paradigm that said, if I am corrected, that equals rejection. So it wasn't correction I was resisting or working to not have the experience of. It was rejection. Ultimately, I didn't want to be rejected. And that 100% is not the nature of God. That 100% is not his desire for people and the kingdom of God expanding in the earth. However, Correction is not the same thing as rejection. God can absolutely accept you and also correct you at the same time. In the end, if it's for you and the spirit of it is that you might benefit and flourish, then it's not bad. It's actually good news. And I've said this before in another episode, but if you think about sin and therefore correction of sin, if you think about sin in the terms of having a thorn in your hand, number one, it's not who you are. Number two, it is affecting you. Number three, it may hurt to remove it. Correction may hurt, but ultimately it's for your restoration. It's for full uh, use of your limbs, of your arm, of your hand, and so we don't need to. We don't need to fear it. We don't need to resist it. But with, if we see it through the right lens and the right perspective, correction can be life giving. Correction can be healthy. It is healthy. It's not can be. It is. 
And, and often what, what needs to shift is our understanding of what correction is rooted in. Because what we, because someone says you did a bad behavior, that means I'm bad. You did, you didn't do this up to, up to the uh, standard. That means you failed the standard. No, you may be immature. You may be growing. You might have done something bad. It doesn't mean that's who you are, but it may mean that's what you're believing. That's why I actually want to step in. I want to confront you. I want you to see what you said or what you did. This is the effect. So you can understand that that may not help people and that may not be the most life-giving thing for your relationships. That is going to give you great information and feedback so that you can actually be uh, you can actually experience the fullness of the wholeness that God has already given you in Jesus. But if you want to resist that correction in the name of, I just, I don't want to hear that, then in the end, what's going to happen is people are going to start moving away from you. Not because they don't love you, not because they don't uh, appreciate you, but because if you don't listen, they're scared. They don't trust you. They don't know that you're in it for them. They may wonder if you're just in it for you. And so we've got to be able to talk about being corrected without equating it to rejection and without making it, well, if you correct me, then you don't believe in my identity. That's not true. It's because I believe in your identity that I'm actually going to say something because I don't believe that's who you are. So stop. <laughs> as gently as I can say that, but it's true. Okay. Let's keep going. What else is included? Read the Gospels and see what and discover what you see in the life of Jesus. And guess what? That's included. That's part of the package. That's part of the good news is what you see in the person of Jesus. You see him move with compassion. Guess what? You're full of compassion. You see him forgive people that are wallowing, that are lost in sin. Guess what? You're able to forgive. You see him not just forgiving, but liberating them from a lifestyle of sin so they can walk in the freedom, the purity, the wholeness that he designed them for. Guess what? You're a liberator. That's the good news. Now, it's not up to you. It's Christ in you. It's Jesus moving in and through you. So you don't need to wear that like a something that's heavy. But at the end of the day, what you see in the life of Jesus is what you see in the mirror. It's what you see in you because he gave you his life. That's actually the gospel. It's less about you giving your life to God and more about Jesus giving his life to you. That's the good news. That's the thing to wake up to. I remember saying uh, something to someone at one point, that's real vague, um, that, that it's not about you living your life for God. It's about God in Christ by the Spirit living his life through God. You. That's the kingdom. That's how it works. It's not about you earning something from God. It's God. He's put everything inside of you. Uh, 2 Peter 1. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. Now it's about learning to partner with the promptings of the Holy Spirit by the grace of God to see the kingdom of God expanded. And some people might call that obedience. And obedience is not a bad word when you understand it through the lens of grace, identity, and the finished work of Christ. All right, I'm on a roll, I think. Okay, last thing. Romans chapter 6 is included in your identity, being dead to sin. Okay, now that doesn't just mean I'm dead to not being loved. That's true, you are. Uh, it doesn't just mean I'm dead to not feeling significant. Uh, that's true. Uh, that has been taken care of. It also means you're dead to fear. 
it means you're dead to stress. It means you're dead to anxiety. It means you're dead to the need to control people. It means you're dead to stupid things. I I don't know what else. You're dead to, you know what I'm saying? Just keep expanding what sin includes and that is a part of your inheritance in Jesus. All of those negatives have been 100% dealt with. That doesn't mean you completely believe it, and that's okay, but that's the journey the Holy Spirit is going to take you on so that he can convince you you're dead to sin and alive to God. So what are you dead to? Think through everything that could ever be included in the label sin. What are you alive to? Think through everything that could be included in the label God. And you got a lot of moving parts there, and it's really good news. So remember this, what identity is not about. It's not about a freedom to sin. It's not about um, you can go do whatever you want. There's no consequences. There's still consequences to sin if you decide to go that direction. Just because Jesus has dealt with it doesn't mean there's not a consequence to a stupid decision. That's like saying if I stick my hand in a blender, I won't, I'll still pull a hand out. No, you won't. You'll pull out a mangled mess. At the end of the day, if I walk off the roof of my house and break a leg and then blame God and say, where, where, where's the grace? When I violated grace on purpose, give me a break. If I stick my hand in an electrical socket and I'm shocked that I got shocked, I'm the, du- I'm the dummy. D- does that make sense? And I'm not trying to downplay anybody, but my point is this. We can't violate the nature of God within us and therefore our new nature in Jesus and then get mad at God if there's a consequence of that. Because here's the deal. God's not the one giving us the consequence. We are. The enemy is. We've opened the door to, for him to wreak havoc in our life. I remember one time someone who was going through a really difficult time and made a b- bunch of bad decisions and... I just made the comment, um, hey, what are you believing about yourself that makes you think those are good decisions? And they said, well, I don't believe that they're good decisions. But, you know, if it happens, no big deal, which is just the biggest fear that most people have related to grace is people think, well, they're going to go. That's giving them a license to sin. No, the law gives them a license to sin. Grace doesn't give you a license. When you really understand grace, it is not a license to sin. It is dead to sin. It is a license to love. It is a license to freedom. It's a license to wholeness. It's a license to purity. It's a license to, to fullness of life. That's what grace is. Anyway, I said, here's my problem with that statement. And I didn't say it rudely or meanly, but I said it clearly, I think. I said, um... The issue is, John 8 says that the devil is the father of lies, which means you aren't, which means that thought you just gave me, you didn't come up with, which means you just told me who you've been listening to. And oh, by the way, the fruit of his kingdom, depression, discouragement, all of those things, they're alive in you. And guess what? There's a reason for that. So we can't blame God. You've got to realize you've been listening to the wrong person. And this guy looked at me and he said, I have never thought of it like that before. A few months later, he had been sharing that truth out of Romans 6 with people. And you know what he said? He said, the more I share it, the more I believe it. I'm like, that's how it works. Freely receive, freely give. Years later, best I know, is doing great. And I'm not saying it's me, but I am saying maybe that little thought was a catalyst to something bigger that the Holy Spirit had been working on used in the moment, and continue to develop afterwards. At the end of the day, I don't put all the burden on me. I let God be God, and I I am myself in the moment with people. And those that are for the long-haul relationship, then great. 
There's going to be more more thought, more prayer, more listening to the Holy Spirit, more agreeing with what God's saying for them. Those that are an encounter in the moment, I've got to trust God with them ultimately in the direction that he's leading them. So, so the truth is you're free from sin. You're not free to sin. Uh, but if you do sin, 1 John 2 says you have an advocate. So we don't need to fear sin. We need to recognize the stupidity that it is and realize that we're dead to it. So let's stop living as if we're not. Let's stop believing that that's who we are. It's not. Let's get it out of our thinking. Let's not accept it as who we are. I'm kind of fired up about this, if you can't tell. And if someone is in sin, let's ask a deeper question. Let's ask questions to help identify what's the stress going on. What I've discovered is sin usually is the result of stress. Someone's stressed out about something else and they go to sinful behaviors to find comfort. The problem is it doesn't ultimately comfort you. It, it, it's, it, it makes it worse. It compounds it. It makes it not helpful. But in the end, that's why people do it. It's usually finances. It's fear. It's, it's rejection. It's hurt. It's those are the real problems and sin becomes the symptom. So if we don't actually walk it all the way back to the root of the issue, we don't fix the issue. We may curb a behavior here or there, but we don't actually heal the spot that needs healing. And if that thing's taken care of, guess where the behavior goes? Away. It's not needed anymore. Okay. Um, last thing. How do we mature and grow in our identity? Number one, renew the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Renew the mind to what the scripture says about who you are. And if you're like, I don't know who I am, then look at the person of Jesus because he has become the standard. He has become the mirror. He has become the reflection. He is the revelation. He is the person. He's alive in you. And the Holy Spirit gives you light so you can see who you now are through the person of Jesus. And now your your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions line up and you live out of your identity. Number two, understand the nature and character of God and the role of God. The role of God, he convicts the world of sin. You don't. He reminds you of everything Jesus said. You don't remind yourself. He made you in his image and likeness. You don't do that. Jesus told uh, Peter, he said, Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You don't make yourself a fisher of men. He does that. Now, does that mean that I don't expend energy? No. Does that mean I don't say things? No. Does that mean I don't think things? No. Does that mean I'm not engaged in the process? No. But ultimately, I am resting and trusting in the bigness and the nature and the sovereignty of God. And knowing that his sovereignty isn't this mechanical calculation, it is an ever-present Father who is right here with me and right here with you. Okay, next one, healthy repentance. Repentance is not bad news. It's really good news. It means to change your mind. That doesn't just mean I change my language. That's what we think. We think if we change our language, we repent it. No, no, changing your mind. That's not a work. We're not talking about striving. We're not talking about stressing, but we're talking about where do you go? Do you go towards what you're not or do you go towards who Jesus is and rest there and let the Holy Spirit flood your senses with that truth? Last thing, relationship with other people. We need other people. 
You can't have an identity in Christ who values his body without other people. At the end of the day, I'm not advocating for this form of church or that form of church, but I am saying the church is not a meeting. It's not a structure. It's a people. And being connected to a group of people is healthy. We were made for healthy relationships that sharpen us, that challenge us, that that, that we can go back and forth and learn from each other. That's all part of healthy body life, healthy community life. And that's what God has for us. So I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us revelation of our identity in Christ. Thank you for stirring us, for, for leading us, for engaging with us, and for helping us understand our union with Jesus, our new nature in Jesus, and our participation with Father, Son, and Spirit in this thing called life. We ask for revelation and experience and encounter Uh, that is moment by moment, day by day. May everyone who's listening to this realize they're always in an encounter with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care. Mm